Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of six angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes, and you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello, my friends. It's another beautiful day. Back here on the Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley. That's me. And today I want to do just a really quick episode on the A1C, the hemoglobin A1C. That is not a rap star. That is your average blood sugar reading over the last three months. So I want to explain more about what the A1C is, why we use it, and what to do with the information that you get from it. So many of my clients are anticipating their next A1C, right, because they've been doing a lot of work and they are very excited about what that result is going to reveal. Now, many of you don't understand why the A1C is high, what's high, what the levels are. So we're going to go over a lot of the basics, but I want to talk to you today about what the A1C is and what it is not and how to use that information to make decisions. The A1C is different from what you are doing when you are checking your blood sugar with a glucometer. See, the A1C is really an average estimation of what your blood sugars have been doing over the past three months because the hemoglobin A1C is actually measuring a funny thing. It's measuring how much glucose or sugar has stuck to the hemoglobin on your red blood cells. So if you think of your red blood cells as sort of like donuts floating around in your bloodstream, they have their own lifespan, right? They last Uh, on average about 120 days before we break them down and we're constantly replacing red blood cells with new ones. So we're always breaking them down and replacing them with new new ones, but the average red blood cell lasts about 120 days in the human body. And if you think of these red blood cells as donuts floating around in your bloodstream, what we are measuring is how much glaze has stuck to the donuts, okay? That's an easy way to understand what this percentage point is. It's just an estimation of how sticky or how sugary those red blood cells have gotten over the course of their lifetime. And we have cutoffs for interpreting that percentage point, that number. We have cutoffs for what we say is not normal, And that starts with an A1C of 5.7. An A1C of 5.7% to an A1C of 6.4% is the diagnostic criteria for pre-diabetes. Once a person hits 6.5% on the A1C, we then qualify that as full-blown type 2 diabetes. And I want to just point out that sometimes this is not a good 
way. It doesn't serve us in the way that we believe that we have a new problem, right? When the A1C reaches or crosses a certain threshold. Because remember, diabetes is characterized by insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is a continuum. It doesn't just show up one day unannounced. If you were to watch an A1C over time, it would gradually creep up, okay? It's not going to just suddenly show up at 10%. (laughs) Like for many of you, it was when you received your first diagnosis of type 2 diabetes or you first became aware that you have insulin resistance. See, there's this misperception that a 5.6, which is 0.1% below the threshold for prediabetes, there's this misperception that th- that you're you're safe there, that this is totally normal, and that there's no indication that you're having a problem. And I want to offer to you that that's not necessarily true. If you had an A1C of five, and later on it creeped up to 5.4 percent, and now you're at 5.6 percent, this is really just reflecting to you that you're moving in a direction of developing insulin resistance. And then when you hit that pre-diabetes range. If you don't do anything differently with your lifestyle, the expectation is that this will progress and you will eventually have type 2 diabetes, right? When you cross that 6.5% threshold on the A1C. And so I just want to point out that this is not a very accurate way to think of insulin resistance or diabetes that, you know, these numbers on the A1C scale are going to be qualifying you as not having a problem or suddenly having a new problem. All right, so I want to just address that many of us can feel like the A1C is like this big report card, okay? (laughs) Especially for many of my clients, they're looking forward to that visit, excited to see an A1C that no longer qualifies them as having insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes or even pre-diabetes, right? Where sh- many of my clients are shooting for an A1C that is below 5.7%. And this is possible, by the way, entirely possible and even probable for people who are taking the actions the way that we know reverses insulin resistance consistently. And it's actually not that hard to do and it can be done relatively quickly in comparison to how fast you develop insulin resistance because your body does know how to heal. And once you support it in doing that, it is innately intelligent. It knows how to heal itself and it knows how to heal insulin resistance. So Sometimes we can feel like the A1C is just this dun-dun-dun, right? Or like, oh, what's it going to be? Am I going to have, you know, a hard talk with my doctor? Are they going to be disappointed in me? Um, Are we going to have to make tough decisions with that A1C? And I want to just kind of steal a little bit of the A1C's thunder (laughs) here because I don't like that. I don't like it that people feel like this A1C can be held over their head and even that they can be beaten with it. (laughs) Because the truth is that if you're monitoring your blood sugar with a glucometer or with a continuous glucose meter, a CGM, if you are monitoring your blood sugar consistently and getting a really good and accurate picture of what's going on with your blood sugar at all different times of the day, those readings from your glucometer or your CGM are actually more accurate and sometimes a lot more valuable than the A1C is. 
because you're going to be able to get an average from your glucometer of what your readings have averaged out at right? So a lot of those glucometers will tell you a seven-day average, a 14-day average, a 30-day average. And these numbers, these averages correspond to A1Cs, okay? The A1C, hemoglobin A1C, always has a corresponding estimated average glucose, EAG. And you can even look this up online, Okay, I do this with my clients all the time. When they look at their glucometer and they tell me that their estimated average is for the last 14 days or the last 30 days, whatever, if they tell me that on average they've been rolling around 150, I know that their A1C is going to be about 7%. So you can find these calculators online. It's really easy to do, and I can even link to one of these in the podcast notes for you. The one that I use all the time is published by the American Diabetes Association, and it just gives you a little bit of, you know, it just gives you more empowerment, essentially, of knowing what your A1C would be if your blood sugars were averaging in a certain way and continue to do that going forward. And here's the truth, too. Your A1C is supposedly an average of the last three months a reflection of your average blood sugar readings over the last 90 days. That's what the A1C corresponds to. But the truth is that we can see that number drop from 14% to 7% in three months. And so what does that tell you? That tells you that the average blood sugar reading for the last couple weeks leading up to that A1C has a much stronger influence on what that A1C number ends up being than the first two months of that three-month period, right? And so I always tell my clients, and I have seen this in practice over and over again, working in primary care, that it really is the last two, three weeks right up to the point of measuring the A1C that's going to determine what that number turns out to be. So don't sweat the first couple months, the first month of your three-month interim between A1C results. Isn't that nice to be able to just breathe and feel free of those? Because you do have a lot more control to drive your A1C where you want it to be, you know, leading up to that doctor's appointment. And then to just look at that A1C with a little bit of you know, wariness, because the truth is, is if you've been taking action and giving your body what it needs to heal, and you've been trending in a way that's pretty different than what the A1C would determine you've been at, your understanding of where your blood sugar has been is more accurate. It's more valuable. It's more informative. Okay. And so really that just means that you need to be monitoring your blood sugar Every day, if you're taking action to reverse your diabetes and doing it frequently enough that you're gauging and getting a really good picture of what's going on all the time with your blood sugar, you know, in the middle of the night even, or after meals, you know, within a couple hours after your meals, and then before you go to bed at night, all of these readings give you a nice average of where your blood sugar's been. Now, an A1C of 7%, like I said, corresponds to a blood sugar reading, an average blood sugar reading of 154. And for every point 
on that scale, you're going to see a difference of the EAG, the estimated average glucose, of about 29 points. So that means if you know a 7% A1C equates to about an EAG, an estimated average glucose reading of 154, and that's in U.S. units, milligrams per deciliter, you know what a 6 percentage by just minusing or subtracting 29 points from 154. Then you get 125. So a 6% A1C is equivalent to an average blood sugar reading over the last three months of about 125 milligrams per deciliter. And so then what is it for a 5%? Minus 29 points, right? And you're going to get 97. And so that's really helpful to know for many of us. Like if we want to know what does my average need to be in order for me to qualify as not having prediabetes, like your average needs to be rolling around 115. And so that's empowering information. It gives you a lot more control and ability to pivot and make decisions in the moment than waiting every three months for your doctor to tell you what your A1C is, right? And that's what I'm all about. I'm all about giving you guys the tools to be able to know what is and is not working and what you want and how to get there. Now, if you are not measuring your blood sugar frequently throughout the day, the A1C can give you a clue that you're missing something, right? If you come in and you show me your glucometer and it says that your average blood sugar readings over the last 30 days or 60 days is like 154, for example, but your A1C comes back at 8%, then we know that you're missing something. You're not checking at a time of day when your blood sugar is running a lot higher than what you see as your average. And so it just gives you the ability to be on to yourself. You can do a little bit more searching and inquiring your blood sugar to find out when is it high that I'm not seeing. And then of course, the A1C is not without its own flaws And I just want to put in here, it's not super common, but it's possible. And one of the things that the broadest way for me to explain this to you is that if your red blood cells are not having a normal lifespan due to something like, you know, anemia or some sort of blood disorder, then it's possible that your A1C is not going to be accurate. So just kind of put that in your back pocket. If something's not sounding right, just remind your doctor that, There might be something else to the picture that you're missing, and that could explain why your A1C is really not the same as what you are seeing as you check your blood sugars, you know, all throughout the day. And then the last thing I want to mention about the A1C is that don't forget, the A1C does not tell us anything about what your insulin levels are doing. The A1C is just a reflection of what your blood sugars are doing, and this is really just showing us the symptom of insulin resistance. Like what your blood sugar is doing is a reflection of how your body is handling the insulin resistance that's going on. A better way to know what is happening with that driving underlying root cause problem is to measure your insulin levels. Now, many doctors are not going to want to do this unless you're going to see somebody who's trained in functional medicine. I don't even think endocrinologists are measuring this on a routine basis, and I just have to tell you it should be standard of care. Because if we were measuring insulin levels 
as a part of your routine physical, you would have become aware that you were developing insulin resistance way, way, way before we ever saw the A1C changing, right? Because you have to have sustained high levels of insulin to develop insulin resistance, to gain the weight, to store the fat in the places that cause the metabolic disease. And if this is something that's confusing to you right now, don't worry. You can go back and listen to the podcast episode early on in this show, which is called What is Happening in My Body, and get the complete picture of what I'm talking about as far as how the process of type 2 diabetes develops in the body. And so remember that the A1C is not the end-all be-all. It's not your report card. Nobody can beat you up with it or force you into a decision with it that you don't want to (laughs) make. And you can get a lot more information simply by checking your blood sugar with your standard glucometer at home to know what you want to change in your life. Now, if you are the person who still is struggling to take consistent action to reverse your diabetes, then I want to talk to you about that for just a second. Right? If you don't know how to make an agreement with yourself to stop with the snacking and then you go right back to it after a few days, then you're the person who needs a coach. If you're the person who doesn't know how to stop binging when the scale shows you a number that you don't like, then you're the person who needs a coach. If you don't know how to quit starting and stopping and starting and stopping, or you get impatient with steady progress and you start getting distracted by the latest weight loss pill or program or, you know, the diet or the fitness challenge that people are doing on Facebook, and you keep getting distracted by these because you can't stick with what's working steadily and slowly, then you're the person who needs a coach. I am a life coach that is certified to help people who want to reverse type 2 diabetes. I know the tools that work, and I also know the way to help you change what's happening in your mind so that you can stick to the tools that physically reverse type 2 diabetes until you achieve complete remission. A lifetime free from type 2 diabetes and medications to treat type 2 diabetes is what I offer and you deserve to have that. All right, so go to my website, sarahtownley.com and fill out the application to work with me and I will be in touch with you within a couple days. I will see you on the next episode. High five for tuning in with me today. You are getting smarter and stronger when you show up for yourself this way. You can get more free tools to help you control type 2 diabetes on my website, sarahtownley.com. And if you're serious about ending your struggle with diabetes, join my membership, The Diabetes Revolution, where you work with me in a community of people just like you. See you on the next episode.